Hey friends, welcome to Finding the Floor. It's good to be back after a little bit of a break. Today is episode 102 and today we're going to be talking about Habit 5 from 7 Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey, which is seek to understand before being understood. And this is such a good one. I feel like this is something you can implement right away, even if you don't do any of the other ones. Like this is really impactful. But first, I hope you all have had a wonderful past few weeks. We had a nice little break and vacation. And it was a little bit sad as I had to leave my older two as they head off to college. (laughs) We had a nice summer with everybody home. A little bit crazy and awesome and busy and all the things, but yeah, they're gone. And we've actually started school this week, so we're just right back into life. Let's go see how the school goes. Okay, the other thing that I, you know, didn't really do on my vacation, which was like plan. I mean, I planned things, but I didn't have like my little planner and planning my roles and maybe that would have been good for vacation. I I didn't even think about that, but I was back doing that this week as I was getting just back into life and trying to plan and getting, you know, the podcast going again. So I just find it so helpful um, to do the planning by your roles and it like helps me take all this stress off like, oh, I'm not doing this thing. Whereas at the beginning of the week, I list the roles that, you know, I kind of need to work on this week or all the things that I'm doing. And then I, you know, I plug them into the week. And then I can just relax. Like I don't need to be like, oh, I need to get that done. Be like, yeah, I'm doing that on Thursday. That's when I designated the time to do that. So if you haven't tried to implement that I think what was that habit three? Oh, I don't know <laughs> but that just was super helpful I think it was habit three so anyway okay so today is habit five and I think one thing I'm, I'm going to talk about things, obviously, that stood out to me. And then I really feel like this one, if you're not going to read any of the book, read this one chapter. <laughs> but I feel like everything he talks about has just been so helpful to me at this time in my life. And maybe, you know, I can thank all the things that came into play that helped me to get to the place where I was really studying this book because just these little things to think about make it obvious to me that they are correct principles. They are principles for highly effective living and I just think it's really neat that even 30 years later there's so many things that are happening that people have been trying to like work and fix or And I'm like, it's all here, like all of this stuff, like everyone just needs to read this book. (laughs) 
that's pretty much what or reread it or study it or everyone needs to like implement these principles because wow this is so good and this one especially and I've even been trying it the past couple days as um, I've been trying to be a better listener with my kids because I just saw myself in a couple of those conversations and not the good ones <laughs> in the book so I am reworking how I talk and listen to my kids and obviously it's going to take me some time but this was really helpful one metaphor I just love which is at the very beginning of the chapter was like you go to see your optometrist and he sits down and you start telling him your problem with your eyes and then what he says to you is like here try on my glasses these have been working for me for like 10 years they're great and you put them on and it's not great it's actually worse because it's not the same like you have a different prescription and he's saying a lot of times as people we tend to just throw out our prescriptions before we even know what the problem is and that I just think I'm going to keep that always in my brain to make sure I'm not throwing on my own glasses way too soon. I need to make sure that I am listening because I tend to want to help people and like fix things. And I think I did a podcast, I can't remember what number it is, about like I don't have to fix everything because I think that's true. A lot of times all everybody needs is just space to like work it out. And this really, this chapter really helps you know how to do that. If that makes sense. Okay, so yeah, don't assume that you know what is going on with somebody, even if you've been in the exact situation. I think that's the one thing he's really pointing out here is that everybody is coming from a different place. They have different centers, you know? I just think about all the different centers he talks about, spouse-centered, church-centered, kid-centered, business-centered, or job-centered, money-centered, and then you can have a scarcity or abundant mentality. There's so many ways that you can be coming from a problem, even from the same family, and even um, when it's something that you've been through, you still need to make sure you're listening to understand because they might be seeing it in a totally different way. In his book, he says, if I were to summarize in one sentence a single most important principle I have learned in the field of interpersonal relations, it would be this. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. This principle is the key to effective communication. Then he talks about how in school we take time to learn how to write and how to speak and how often do we really learn how to listen? And what I find, I don't know if this is like me realizing this like new thing. And if someone realized that this before. But like I was thinking, many teachers and parents complain that their kids don't listen. But I think we are not modeling good ways to listen so they don't know how like we're not listening either I just was like that is probably why we get frustrated we think they're not listening 
but we're not listening. And so they're not getting a good modeling of how to listen. We just want them to hear us and do whatever we do without trying to understand. And that this is what I'm really getting from this chapter. All right, so what he says, we calls empathic listening. And he says, I'm in his book, he quote, quote, I mean, listening with intent to understand. I mean, seeking first to understand, to really understand. It's an entirely different paradigm. And so I just love the example he gives in the book because it is very applicable, especially to parents, because it is this father-son interaction. The father comes and the son is saying how he's so sick of school. And then the father has this interaction which slowly shuts the boy down. And I have noticed that I, even just this past week, as I was talking to my oldest daughter and she was having a situation and I would get frustrated because she would do this a lot, like just shut down, like it's fine, mom, da, 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 da. like I can do this. And now I know why. So I'm not going to go over the conversation, but personally, I'm going to kind of reread more of the good example, but I think listening to the bad example or reading the bad example and then reading, you know, the thoughts that the son's having who really does want to connect, but because the parent is not giving what Stephen Covey calls psychological error, that they can't breathe. And he mentions about needs, like at this moment, if you couldn't breathe, you wouldn't care about listening to this podcast because you would be needing to figure out how you could breathe. And so when we have needs and they're satisfied, they don't become urgent. But everybody, he says, has a need to be understood. And when we give them that need, they're more willing to open up. He has this quote again about empathic listening. He says, in empathic listening, you listen with your ears, but you also, and more important, listen with your eyes and with your heart. You listen for feeling, for meaning, you listen for behavior, you use your right brain as well as your left. You sense, you intuit, you feel. In the chapter, he has this parent that is talking to his child. And by the end, the child, they're like getting frustrated with each other, talking about school. And at the end, he's like, well, I don't want to go to school because he's not going to school. And he's, it becomes this fight. And then he has the good example, which is when the parent just listens and repeats what he hears and what he thinks the son is feeling. So in the bad example, this is what Stephen Covey says we do as parents. And I really, I do this. (laughs) And um, this was me trying to be helpful and communicate with my kids, but I see how it can be not helpful. But he says, because we listen autobiographically, We tend to respond in one of four ways. We evaluate. We either agree or disagree. We probe. We ask questions from our own frame of reference. We advise. We give counsel based on our own experience. 
or we interpret. We try to figure out people to explain their motives based on our own motives and behavior. Now, this is so true for me. I am more of a prober, I think, and I think I'm also an advisor. Maybe I probably do all four. Like, I just feel like, even though I really am trying, but I just don't know if I really understood what I really needed to do when he says that we need to give them psychological error. And then, so our job as parents is to just simply restate what we think they're saying and also like add a feeling component to them. So for instance, in the example in the book, the son is like, dad, I have had it with school. And so the dad says, you're feeling frustrated about school. And he says, yes. And it's, I think what thing is okay is that as you're really trying to listen and understand, it's okay to get it wrong. Like, you know, you're feeling, you can guess and then they're like, no, it's not that. Oh, okay. And you're still allowing that dialogue. Like sometimes I think as parents, we kind of think we have to get it right. And I was just thinking, you can just restate and maybe guess a feeling And that could be right or wrong. And that is all okay. But you're still in this, I am trying to understand. There was a really good quote. Also, it says, you will never be able to truly step inside another person to see the world as he sees it until you develop the pure desire, the strength of personal character and the positive emotional bank account, as well as the empathic listening skills to do it. So that is why this is habit five instead of like habit one, be a good listener. Because you have to first set up your personal character. You have to decide who you are and then you'll be a better listener because you're, you are grounded in your sense of who you are, in your personal mission statement. You have made those decisions first And then you can work on your listening. But he also says it is also important to have that high trust going on because then they're more willing to share. But you can also develop that high trust by striving to understand without adding all your own autobiographical stuff. In the book, he goes over the four stages of empathic listening And he says the first stage is the least effective, but that is when you mimic what they say, okay? And he's saying sometimes that can be insulting for people to just mimic what they say, but that is actually better than trying to just add your own autobiography right away. So even if you restate what they're saying, that is a good start. And then he says a second stage is to rephrase the content. So you're actually thinking about what they're saying and rephrasing it in a way that you're understanding. So what I'm hearing you saying is this. And then he says the third stage is that you reflect feeling 
And the fourth stage, which is the best, is when you include both the second and third. So you've rephrased the content and then you reflect the feeling. So again, in the example of the boy, in the good example that the father gives, he rephrases and says, you're feeling frustrated. That's the feeling about school. That's the content. And I tried it a couple times. So this week, you know, my kids were starting up school and they were like, oh, I don't want to go to school. And I was like, is there a dread about school? And they're like, yes. <laughs> and it seemed like a simple thing, but like, at least I'm trying to not project because I notice I, I would normally be like, oh, just have a positive attitude. You know, you can think whatever you want, which is all really true, but that's not really helping them open up to me so I can really understand what are they dreading about school? And so I was like, well, what is it you're dreading mostly? Is it the schoolwork? Is it social? And there again is my probing. But then she she did, you know, kind of open up a little bit more. So I think also as you learn to do this, be patient with yourself. And he has a paragraph where he suggests like, if you haven't been doing this for a while and you start doing it, it could be a little bit alarming to people. And you could say, look, I just read this book about being a better listener and I'm going to try some of these skills because I've noticed that I, those are some things I need to work on. But again, go back and read the conversation. I'm going to like have that highlighted in my book and make sure I just reread this idea of what is the good example. Because I think just having a couple really good examples of how to be someone who strives to understand first so he says also like as you do this he says what a difference real understanding can make because you see the difference in the two conversations the boy opens up he's talking about school he in the first conversation talks about I want to drop out because my friend is and in the second conversation he mentions his friend but he says no I don't want to drop out and by the end of it he's concerned about he just got evaluated for his reading and he's in a low reading level. And like, it's so true. Like sometimes there's so many things you have to get around to get to the real concern or the what is really concerning for your child and just the run around. And maybe it takes them a minute to also run around and, and figure out it on their own. But he says, okay, what a difference real understanding can make. All the well-meaning advice in the world won't amount to a hill of beans if we're not even addressing the real problem. And we'll never get to the real problem if we're so caught up in our own autobiography, our own paradigms, that we don't take off our glasses long enough to see the world from another point of view. And then he says, as you do this, you then almost come, if you think about solving a problem you're not from two different sides you have joined together and you're on the same side trying to figure out how to best solve the problem and he points out that there are times where if you just give them air they can slowly like work it out by themselves and if you do that they might actually ask you for advice and then that is when you can 
give it a little bit, but just kind of there is in that good example, that back and forth where it gets a little emotional. And so then he goes back instead of giving him his, his advice, he goes back to like repeating feelings and content. And I just think that's really interesting. And he says, so this is one of those PC things. So we're taking care of the goose. We're taking care of our relationships because it's also going to affect all of the results, all of this PC stuff. Okay. And it's interesting because I have this woman that I minister to who I've noticed she frequently tells me and tells people that they just really can't understand her. And I feel like maybe she really isn't given a lot of psychological error. She's an older black woman who I guess was abused as a kid and she, you know, had some children, but I like had some health issues, but had to like deal with that all by herself and now is living on her own and she doesn't have a lot of support. And so, yeah, I don't think I can understand her. She has a totally different way of coming to see things. And it's not that you can't find common ground and like develop this good way of being with somebody, but just that you need to understand that we're all coming from different backgrounds. And so then Stephen Covey says this, how do we transcend the limits of our individual perception so that we can deeply communicate so that we can cooperatively deal with issues and come up with win-win solutions? The answer is habit five. It's the first step in the process of win-win, even if, and especially when, the other person is not coming from that paradigm, seek first to understand. Okay, so you have all this seeking first to understand, but then there's that second part that is what he says is equally important is then you need to seek to be understood. So he brings two examples of like people in business who are frustrated with how things are going. And one um, particular person, he tells them to have a really good presentation to make sure he knows he understands the problem and to provide a solution. And the one person wasn't willing to do all that work. And then there was this other friend of his who wanted some funding. He worked at a university, but the project wasn't in what, let's say, their department's normal research was about. But um, Stephen said, first, I want you to do an effective presentation. You need to understand what they want to accomplish. And then you share how that will kind of fulfill, still be in that realm of fulfilling that goal in the department and so he did do that and he did get funding i think it's really interesting because as you seek to be understood um he talks about when you are seeking really seeking to understand that becomes kind of vulnerable because you're in a place where you you can be influenced unless you have your mission statement ready or, you know, kind of inside you, you know, kind of the things that you stand for, then it can be kind of intimidating. And I think that's why some people don't do it as much because they want to stand their ground and they don't want to 
compromise instead of thinking that maybe there's this win-win out there. And I love this quote. He says, when you are not wrapped up in your own thing, delivering grandiose rhetoric from a soapbox, you really understand what you're presenting may even be different from what you had originally thought because in your effort to understand, you learned. And I think that is where then you express your concerns or as you're talking with your kids, you understand them better and maybe you do change your mind a little bit, but maybe you don't. And maybe then you tell them what your side of the story or what you think would need to happen. He goes over this idea from the Greeks, ethos, pathos, and logos. And he says, ethos is your personal credibility. It is the trust that you inspire. So this is the character that he talks about you have been building in your habits one, two, and three. And then he says that is also like the emotional bank account. And then pathos is the empathic side, the feelings. It means that you are in alignment with the emotional trust of another person's communication. Then logos is the logic, the reasoning part of the presentation. So he points out, you notice the sequence, ethos, pathos, then logos. He says a lot of times we start with the logic and we don't forget the feelings or we haven't built that trust and that credibility. And those two things need to come first. I just think that is pretty cool. So he says in the book, habit five is powerful because it is right in the middle of your circle of influence. Because you can always seek first to understand. That's something that you can, that's within your control. And as you do that, as you focus on your circle of influence, you really deeply understand other people. You have accurate information to work with. You get to the heart of matters quickly. You build emotional bank accounts and you give people the psychological air they need so you can work together effectively. And he says, you don't need to like have things come to a crisis to learn to listen. And I I love a couple of examples he gives. He says, you know, spend time with your children one-on-one, listen to them, understand them, look at your home, at your life, at the challenges and the problems they're facing through their eyes, build the emotional banking out, give them air. He says, with your spouse, go on dates regularly, spend time with them. And then he talked about how he and his wife, Sandra, would role play things like one of them would be the child and then one of them would just be them and they would role play maybe how a conversation might go and they would also role play some conversation that they like blew it and I just love this idea of like taking that time to really think about oh wow I totally blew this I did my probing and my totally added my own thoughts and autobiography on them and they totally shut down and it became this big fight. So let's look back and see how I can change that. I just love that idea of role playing. Sometimes you think that's really dumb, but it I think it just is really helpful. I mean, I went on this walk a couple of days ago with my husband and we just were talking about one of our kids and it was interesting how I've noticed that I have a couple worries and concerns and I am kind of letting that affect the way I think about 
her instead of like striving to really understand her and then letting just that go before maybe I express and maybe those worries aren't even founded. I see this so much how I need to work on this and how I'm more of the evaluate, probe, interpret, give advice. And I even noticed that the other day when my husband was talking to me and I just need to remember to rephrase and like repeat feelings. And then if they're ready for advice, that is when you can share it. The last couple quotes that I really like that I'll finish with is he says, seek first to understand before the problem comes up, before you try to evaluate and prescribe, before you try to present your own ideas, seek to understand. It's a powerful habit of effective interdependence. And the other thing I want to also make sure to point out is that this quote, seeking to understand requires consideration. Seeking to be understood takes courage. Now, he talked about, remember, maturity was the balance between courage and consideration. And he says, win-win requires a high degree of both. So it becomes important in interdependent situations for us to be understood. So it does take a lot of courage to be willing to listen, be vulnerable, to be influenced a little bit, and then also share your own thoughts as well. So that does take a lot of courage, There's, but there's high consideration and high courage when you're striving for that. And lastly, when we really deeply understand each other, we open the door to creative solutions and third alternatives. Our differences are no longer stumbling blocks to communication and progress. Instead, they become the stepping stones to synergy, which I believe is the next habit. So I know this has been really one of those mind, not really mind blowing, but how such a simple thing of being taught how to listen can really help how you really understand your kids and your family and anyone you interact with. And just having the thought that like, maybe I don't really understand. Don't put my glasses on them. And they're coming from a whole different paradigm. And I don't even know what that looks like. So I need to understand that. Okay, guys, read this chapter. Have it five. It's so good. And I'm so glad to be back. Thanks for joining me as always, and I will see you next week for Habit 6. All right, bye.